Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry. Welcome to the latest episode of the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. Folks, this week's guests uh, need no introduction, uh, really. Their goal at the very start of their journey, of their career, of their lives now is to make the world a happier, healthier place with shops, cafes, books, food, partnerships, courses, classes, talks, and a whole lot more. I'm delighted. I really, really am to have uh, David and Stephen Flynn, aka the happy pair, to the Real Health Podcast today. How's it going, guys? Actually, what an intro. That was great. <laughs> I'm tired just, just reading that, that intro out. There's so much going on. How's it going? Actually, great. Delighted to be here, really. A real yeah. honour. And then it's really nice, the studio with the lovely, nice lights. We have it's new cool. fancy lights today, and we have video recording for the very first time. So we're very excited on the Real Health Podcast today, to say the least. Did you have your swim this morning? Yeah, I was there. You didn't make one. No, too. I didn't make it this morning. No, my kids, I, I took it easy. I wanted to read something, and then I wanted to be there when my kids woke up. So Yeah, yeah. I was down. Sunrise now is 5.06. I was down the beach. It was yeah, glorious. 5.06. Nice. Uh, I'm up at that time, A, because we have a new baby, but B, my first night in the gym at 6 o'clock. So I'm always, I'm, I want to get into work. I'm onto your Instagram. I see you've been out on the beach. I'm like, oh, geez, I'd love to get out there at some stage. Anyway, um, let's chat. Uh, I want to chat initially about the brand, about the last 15 years and the fact that it's taken off since you opened in 2004 yeah um talk me through i suppose how you see the changes you guys have seen in terms of ireland in terms of even stuff in the shop because health uh, vegetarian veganism pescatarianism that's all very much hugely taken off um and you guys i think have had a huge role to play for on an irish capacity for that Okay, you go. Uh, I, I was going to say, like, so back when we started back in 2004, we had just shifted our own diet from meat and two veg, playing loads of rugby and whatever, to we, we went away for a couple of years and we came back and we were vegan now. So we decided the best thing to do was to, like, why not start a business in this? Like, why not? Let's see if we can, you know, there's no one that I know that's vegan. There's no businesses out here that I want to shop in. Let's start a business. So we started the Happy Pear and we started with a little vegetable shop. Where did the name come from? Uh, well, we nearly called it Flinner's Fruit and Veg for Social Change, <laughs> which is a very twee answer because I really wanted to. I, the, the year previous, I was in North Carolina at a school called School for Designing a Society. And at that, the whole idea, the whole um, kind of approach was how to use business as a vehicle for social change. So with starting the Happy Pair, I'd called it a food revolution. Like we had we had revolved or evolved our own diet and lifestyle so much. We felt so much more connected to ourselves. We kind of somewhat sure we did degrees and masters in business, which we kind of had very much bought into the American dream that money makes you happy. And if you have the more cash you have, the more successful you have, the more joy you're going to experience. Uh, and instead of even just you know, swallowing the pill. We ate the full box of pills. You know, we were so into it. Like at the time we were doing male modeling, we were doing semi-pro rugby. Dave was going off to be a golf pro. We were really going places. And then I guess through this journey of pushing our social conditioning and trying to see at what point we felt mo more connected to ourselves. I guess we felt more... Um, more, but but uh, okay, no, I, I was just gonna say, true. Like, I guess we both went away separately and we changed our diets. We yeah. went from meat and two veg to starting eating vegetarian to vegan to raw foodist, and then really just playing with 
the, our boundaries, as Stephen said, and we came back and we ended up calling the business The Happy Pair because there was two of us and we started with a fruit shop and we were selling pears and it was a pun, The Happy Pair. Hey. <laughs> but as I said, we wanted to call, Stephen wanted to call it Flinders Fruit and Veg for Social Change, which is, sounds really cheesy, but it was we really felt that we were trying to get people to eat more fruit and veg. We realised how beneficial it was for our own health, our own connection to ourselves and all these various things that we wanted to try to... Uh, uh, tried to share with us yeah you like even from the start we used to go speak in local schools and try not really speak it was more just to entertain the kids and try to get them to positively associate with you know make juices make smoothies and really just try to um inspire in any way that we could you know so the whole uh, the, the whole range of what you do basically started because you switched your diet you felt really healthy and energetic and energized and connected with the yeah, with yeah. the world, I suppose, for want of a better word. And you wanted to share that with everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. And, and can I go off one? And like you know yourself, if you make any lifestyle change, the thing that makes it sustainable is community support. And when we came back from traveling, as Dave mentioned, we were kind of one of, I knew of another vegan in our town. There was one other guy um, that Dave went to college, Gavin Keller's brother, Andy. I knew Andy was a vegan and he was always kind of slagged. And, you know, we used to make fun of him. In 2004 and before yeah. that, it was rare. Oh, very rare. This, is, this was 2002. And I remember coming back home and I remember we were like the isolated vegan. And a lot of our friends from the rugby club and golf club was like, what happened to the lads? And as weird as it sounds. And, and without being stereotypical here, but I, I played rugby for 12 years. Rugby <clears> and golf are very much, you know, it, it's like pints and steak. And it's 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 oh it's not it's not a place where there's many vegetarians or no. vegans hanging around, <laughs> especially back in two thousand and one. So, I remember calling Andy up and going, "How you?" Uh, I called it was Gav. I called who was our friend and how you Gav? Just just wondering, can I speak with Andy? And he was like, "What do you want to talk to Andy about?" I was like, "Well, how are you, Andy? Uh, this is Stephen and David Flynn here. We've turned vegan. I'm just wondering, could we meet up and talk about what it's like to be vegan?" So I had a meeting with him, and I guess we kind of realized that if we wanted to sustain this new lifestyle change, we needed to get community support. And the most selfish way of doing that was to start a business, a business that believed in it, and a business that in the very fabric was of it was to kind of help people live a happier life and ultimately help us live a happier life. And, and it was, sorry, I'm going to go off in a slight round. And it was never about trying to make people vegan or vegetarian. Like, we never labeled that in any way. It was always just trying to get people to eat, to be, eat more fruit and veg and be healthier and happier. Like, so it was, it was we never labeled it anywhere. Like, I remember people used to come into the cafe because after starting the veg shop, six months later, we started a cafe, a vegetarian cafe. And you never labeled it anywhere, but you'd have people coming in and they go, I love the chicken curry. And it would have been a chickpea curry, but they just misread it. And you go, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, enjoy your chicken curry. And they'd eat it and they'd come and then they'd have the soup the next day and they'd have coffee and they'd be in for a few weeks and they go, I never knew this place was vegetarian. <laughs> you know, and then you realize that, you know, you were it, people, people, I guess, trust you, particularly in a small town, people started trust. Because even back in 2001, chickpea, people didn't know what the hell a chickpea no, was. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember not even knowing what a lentil was. Like, going away in 2001, I think it was, and someone cooked something with lentils. I was like, what's a lentil? You know, like, genuinely didn't know what it was. I guess because Ireland. Why do you think Ireland has gone from there, from 2004, of not knowing you know, vegetarians were rare, vegans were super rare, pescatarians had never really been heard of, uh, and chickpeas, all of that. We're now, any supermarket mainstream has yeah. every product under the, the sun in terms of, every product, but the range of products have, have, have expanded. Being vegan, vegetarian, being healthy has become trendy. 
what are the drivers for that do you think over the last kind of 15 15 years or so um yeah like i guess exactly as you were saying like back then there wasn't very many people that were eating a vegan diet but every day of the week nowadays you meet people going oh geez i want to be a vegan and like people aspiring to eat a vegan diet which is like we didn't tell anyone that i ate a vegan diet for probably the first 10 years because people would take offense they go yo what you saying there's something wrong with me because eat me you know and it was it was quite offensive but I think the shift nowadays has really come from people, I think the widespread of the internet where people are learning more and reading more and understanding more about f- the food systems and the environment. And I, I think it's probably a three-pronged reason. One, social media and just general communications. People becoming much more aware of as... Um, what was his name? The Hippocratic Oath. You are what you eat. Like people are really big. Hippocrates. People are becoming more aware of it and actually at every single way. Two leading cause of climate crisis that we're in at the moment is animal agriculture. So that's having a huge impact on the millennial generation. And I think, I guess the last and final one is illness. Uh, like leading cause of illness in the West is heart disease. Um, and heart disease, the only thing that's been proven to re- reduce cardiovascular disease is to eat a whole food plant-based diet, which is ultimately a vegan diet. So it's, I guess there's so many different reasons, but they're the three that I see that are hugely driving this huge societal interest. Yeah, and I think, you know, nowadays we're all looking for more meaning. You know, mo- not all of us, but there's a huge amount of people are looking for more meaning and they see that, meaning you know... in their life? Meaning in their life, yes. Thank you for the clarification, Stephen. <laughs> but, uh, and, and I think maybe back when I think of my granny's era where religion was the cornerstone of society like that was her that gave her huge meaning and purpose she went to mass every day and that was it whereas I look at our generation and generations below us there isn't that religion doesn't have quite as strong a hold and I think people are looking for other things and they see that how they eat can is kind of politics starts in your plate and what you what you want to vote for is what the type of food choices you make and I think by those kind of things people are making more conscious food choices and I think the move towards vegan is really about the planet is about, I think it's it's trying to build a world which people see as different. Just in case any of our listeners are confused or don't understand what a vegan actually is and eats, A, can you tell us exactly yeah. what that is? And B, some samples for what you might eat for like breakfast and lunch. And so, so a vegan is someone that doesn't eat anything with a face or a mother. Which that sounds weird. <laughs> that, that, okay, that sounds weird. But it's really just someone that doesn't eat meat or eggs or dairy, which sounds crazy. And like back 20 years ago, if you said this to us, I would have thought, what that? What a weirdo. I would never eat like that. So um, like it's really just people think it's deprivation if you're not eating, you know, ham and cheese sandwiches and chicken breasts and steaks and burgers and whatever. But I think it's just, you know, I never thought I would eat this way, but it was one step at a time. And before I knew it, I was... And in terms of just a practical example, you know, I think the leading, you know, in Ireland, one of the leading foods is oats. You know, I often think Irish people have, you know, oatmeal or porridge running through their veins, or sometimes I feel like that. Uh, But I think porridge is, you know, that's vegan. Woohoo! Try to cook it instead of uh, on cow's milk, maybe use oat milk or rice milk or almond milk. They'll just bring another dimension to your porridge. Uh, Lunch, uh, today I had an Indian dal with some kimchi, which is kind of a Korean sauerkraut, a little bit of avocado, a little bit of sourdough bread, some salad, some rice and some roasted potatoes. But again, it's like, it's simple things like a vegetable soup and brown bread. You know, something simple like that. Like a salad. Salad. Wow. You know, like there's, it's just like instead of the chicken curry, it's having a chickpea curry. But it's, it's simple little choices. And I think at this stage, I'd say most of listeners are aware of what a vegan is because it has become so widespread. And they probably might know their brother or their cousin or their friend's girlfriend is one of those vegans, you know, or whatever. And, and our message is not really like people think... It's not about trying to make anyone a vegan. It's really not. Like, ultimately, we all want to have more energy. We want to feel good. We want to feel confident and comfortable in our body. And I think 
according to like obviously science has two sides to most arguments but most science will say that the more fruit and veg you eat the higher your diet's going to be on fiber that the better your body's most likely going to function so mm-hmm. it's really not about there's no perfection even people out there who are the most fundamentalist vegans like we've been eating a vegan diet for 18 years but I was in Italy last week I had a few ice creams it was delicious it was lovely there ain't no perfect we're all going to die anyway so I think the message is really it's not about seeking perfection it's about starting where you're at and eating more fruit and veg we had Paula Mee on the podcast a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago she's a uh, kind of a, a dietitian and she was a head of Indy for a long long time her new thing or not new thing but on research that she's done is exactly that that it's plants it's fruit and veg and that was she was saying you know, half your plate should be salad and fruit and stuff like that some protein in some way shape or form in terms of chickpeas and lentils and the odd piece of fish and then meat maybe once a month or something like that I thought it was a really to see someone who's been in the industry as long as she has come around to producing a book promoting that way of eating was fascinating to see of where, of where the science is of where the research is and even myself off the I would eat a lot of fruit and veg anyway but I'm certainly eating a lot more fish and a lot less red meat mm. just having had her in studio because I was just, just had a huge impact in boggled I went home to my wife I was like right that's it we're going to eat loads of fish and we're going to have steak once a month and uh, life is going to be brilliant because she was really not just the passion but she could back it up by like study after study after study and it, was, and it was one of the reasons I was like right we have to get the tappy pairs on because like, yeah. we're going to keep this conversation going a little bit longer to keep this it was, momentum it's really really going. interesting um, like even last I think it was Sunday two weeks ago we were over in London at uh, King's College there was a doctor's conference and it was a plant based doctor and they got uh, the head of the American uh, Association of Cardiology Dr. Kim Williams over uh, and he'd been a cardiologist his whole life and he was one of the few vegan cardiologists and he was kind of saying a cardiologist if they look at the research they're either vegan and if they aren't vegan it's because they haven't looked at the research he was saying just that it's so unequivocal and he was saying the biggest cause of death amongst cardiologists is heart disease second biggest cause of death among heart disease is strokes and he said even at the last um um, it was American cardiologists meeting, you know, whatever the well it was. And the president, of the American cardiologist, he stood up and he had two heart attacks in the middle of the event. So he was saying, like, you know, it's really amongst cardio, like heart attacks kill w- w- world over. And the o- only proof that shows that you can actually reverse the in- symptoms for heart disease is actually eating a plant based diet. And that was Dean Orange's study back in 1991. How do you, did you develop into what we have, what we see now? So we started with the shop in 2004. We chatted all about that. We- I'm not sure where did the break come from, but how did it all, how did it escalate to being books, to being on TV, to being, you know, all the stuff that you guys do now? How did it go from a shop to that? I think it's momentum. Many people see us nowadays and they go, geez, lads, how are you everywhere? That's amazing. You're like, you've only been at it a few years and it's like, we've been at it 15 years. You know, the way we're nearly 40. Uh, but people tend to forget that it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, I was, Dave read over a couple of the questions in the way in. There was a question about uh, the struggles and the hardship. People tend to forget about that. And it's often, you know, um, like the darkest part of night is just before dawn. And I, I know myself, we experience it many times at the business where it's yeah, like... What have, they, what have they been? Let's tell. Yeah, no one, like you're, no you're, one's ever you're, tapped into that side of a, a business, you're of a family-run business. Yeah. even more stressful. So what yeah, have the, the hard points been? And, and how did you overcome them like in terms of the family bit it's great like we're very supportive and it's wonderful to work together oh you have to row every now and again come uh, well, on come like, on, of course come we're on. only natural but it, it's, <laughs> it, in terms of they weren't really the struggles more the, the greater struggles were um, 
you know, you were tight on money. There was you'd, the EHO had just been in. You'd got a bill of five grand. You know, you were you were kind of winter was coming, and it was kind of like it was all kind of you're going. Oh my god, I'm struggling. I'm working seventy hours a day or seventy hours a week, not a day. Seventy hours a week. It, it, what's going to happen? And then suddenly you release a cookbook, and you don't know what's going to happen and you weren't you, you didn't really have much prayers on it and then suddenly the whole thing's on a whole other trajectory but I think it's only through that struggle and really pushing through that struggle that suddenly you get a little bit of a break and many people think it's oh, what's the one thing you did that made success and it's the one thing is perseverance Yeah, and that's graft. the one thing it's graft people tend to forget it especially in modern day society we're all looking for a hack go on this is 10 hacks to have abs yeah, and you yeah. can have it in one minute you know this type of thing but people forget that you got to put in the work and I, I think you want to go? No. I feel like I'm ranting a little here. I feel like I'm, ga- I'm gathering up a bit of steam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'd only reiterate exactly what Steve said. Like, I can think of, I think it was back in 2014, maybe. Like, I remember it was like August of that year, or maybe it was September. Like, and I remember, like, I remember reflecting, I like, go, oh my God, like, we're working so hard. We're trying so many different things. Like, and here we got a bill for this for five grand, another thing for 10 grand. And like, how the heck is it not working? And then I remember, as Stephen said, we, a book came out and it all went in a different, like it just, and there was a few different things and it almost seems like that that was the catalyst, but there was there was multiple other factors that, you know, the, the people's appetite for food was shifting, social media had started, and like there was there was so many different factors, but certainly when we released our first book, it kind of, it, it launched on a different kind of path in a sense. And for some reason, the book, like, even to just give it, kind of go on a tiny little spiel around that. Knock yourself uh, I remember we weren't, like, we weren't kind of really that interested in doing a cookbook. And, you know, we'd been chefs ourselves for about six years in our own cafes. And people had regularly come in for the recipe. And you go, I have a recipe for 150 people. Is that all right? And they go, oh, this type of thing. <laughs> uh, and we got offered a, a kind of a contract or a deal with the publisher in London. And whatever reason, it didn't feel right. You know, when you read the small print, you're a bit afraid. It wasn't right. And then we sat with them with Michael and Patricia, the head of Penguin Ireland. Who we know well. They're yeah, fantastic yeah oh, fabulous. Yeah. And I remember sitting down in their office just off Stephen's Green. Up, mm-hmm. uh, it was quite a high one there. And I remember yeah. looking out going, wow, this is fabulous. And they had the good china out. And it, was like, <laughs> it was like sitting with Enid Blyton and Roald Dahl. And you really felt like, Geez, these people are great. I'd love to have people like this as my friends. Yeah. Uh, so we agreed to do the cookbook. And they thought that, you know, they said, typically if a chef is on television and has their own TV show, typically they'll sell about 2,000 copies. Mm-hmm. And they said, lads, I know you don't have a TV show. And I know not only is your book not normal, it's a vegetarian cookbook. So this is a whole new territory. But we're going to print 6,000 copies and hopefully we'll sell them. you got a shop, we'll sell them over five, ten years or whatever. Uh, released in September, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. It released in September. And I remember I was away in Spain. I remember calling Dave up and there was an article in the Irish Times. And I think we were we were in the little magazine section that I always kind of idealised. Yeah, the Irish Independent. Just Irish, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> very important. Very lads, good, good work. <laughs> very good. Very good. Correct. Good, quick, quick recovery. Uh, and I remember calling Dave up and going, Dave, Dave, what's the story? Because I, I felt like I was missing something. And uh, Dave said, oh, it's amazing. Like, we opened today and a lad drove up from Tipperary and he wants me to write my name on a book. And, and, and this, this was amazing at the time. But when the book came out in September, by middle of October, we had sold the 6,000 copies. Uh, and by Christmas, it was the best-selling cookbook in Ireland that year. And then even the following year, it was the best-selling cookbook, outselling Jamie, Nigella, all these people two to one. So it was amazing just the appetite for Irish people for kind of whole food, plant-based cooking. It, it was it, like as much as we worked hard, the market changed too and the market supported us. So it's, it just kind of happened, you know, the way. 
Folks, you're listening to The Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined in studio today by the happy pairs. Um, so the book was the, was one of the catalysts. And you get to the book from Graft. And I think there's a really important message to get out there that nothing comes easy. I think that is important. I also think that your, 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 your branding as a... It's a very relaxed brand. It's a very energetic brand. And it's refreshing, I think, for people to see... Uh, a brand like that to promote health. There's a hyperness to it that I think today's where the calmest I've ever seen you. And I've met you guys several times at work events and, and you're always kind of hyper. And th- th- But the, today there's a seriousness that I don't think anyone's got to listen to. Maybe I'm a, re- a direct reporter, but we're getting a whole new side to you, which is brilliant to see. Um, how hard is it to keep that brand going in terms of the visuals of it and and, and the, the energy behind it with the swims and the community? Because the community drives a huge aspect to your business. That is another chunk of work along with work. And how hard is it to keep that going? Uh, I guess to answer, there's a few different bits there to is, that question. Yeah. But like the first one, I guess when people might think that we might go, oh, it's those two, you know, whether they like us or not, they'll say probably they're always <laughs> bouncing or whatever. You know, like I think we're binary. And people might say that word energy or geez, they're too much me or whatever it might be. And I guess that's one bit of it. But underneath it, like, um, as like we are quite calm today. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there must is the, quite. It must a, be the mushroom tea. No, no. Or the, the mushroom elixirs. Cha- that was Chaga tea, <laughs> just to clarify. It's not some psilocybin thing. But um, like, I guess underneath, beneath our, our you know, our, how we put ourselves across as XYZ, mm-hmm. like, there's plenty of substance behind oh, yeah. what, certainly from our own perspective, like, that we don't always share. Maybe it becomes with maturity, like we're turning 40 this year and maybe we feel a little more mature, of, a little more comfortable at being ourselves and not having to always be the front and centre. You know, that kind of thing. So I guess there's an element of that, of growing into ourselves as being more comfortable. But I guess being two of us, we are high energy a, a lot of the time. Um, and to answer your question about community, yeah, community's been at the core of what we've always done, really. That's been, yeah, and I've, we've always felt if we want to drive social change, it has to be through the community. So, yeah, of course, some days getting up for a swim, you don't feel like it, and you're walking mm-hmm. down going, am I fucking crazy? This is ridiculous. Like, it's lashing rain. It's manky. Why am I doing this? You got you, It's all year round, these, the morning yeah. swims, right? Yeah, yeah, and you could be going down, and it's, it's two degrees. There's a wind that it's skinny. It's lashing rain, and you're bringing your swimming togs down to the beach, <laughs> and you're going like, why am I doing this? And then you get down to the beach, and you meet Linda and Detty, and they're in their 70s and they're going what a day and you're like oh my god and you meet Neil and you get togged off into your shorts and you get in this big waves and you're kind of a bit frightened you get in you come out going oh I feel reborn you know there's this sense of it's amazing and it just reminds you like I guess how fleeting life is and how that if you embrace it suddenly a grey manky day you suddenly see oh my god I think the sun's coming out or you're sitting having tea afterwards, just chatting and having a laugh. And it just reminds you about, I guess, living in the... Anyway. I'm but anyway, I guess the sea, swimming in the sea is one part of the community. And I guess, like, social media has been a part of our online community. You know, obviously, we started our business in Greystones, where we grew up. And there's mm-hmm. the Greystones community, the physical community. And we do swim rises with physical swim rises, where we've had up to a thousand people, I think. Recently, we did one with Joe Wicks there a few months That's ago. That's where I saw that, yeah. Yeah, and that, that was, I think, the bigger one of the bigger ones we've had. But we've had a few ones where there's been, I don't know, it's hard Seven. to count several hundred people, uh, you know, at 5 a.m. coming to swim. Mm-hmm. And that they're amazing, life-affirming events. Um, but I guess another part has been online community, because I guess nowadays, you know, certainly if you eat a vegan diet, you might feel there's no one in your own community, and you just look online and you find Instagram and YouTube and whatever. And I guess we've built out an audience of, I think, more than a million people now, uh, uh, you know, across all our platforms and social media. And I guess 
we would very much see that as as our community, you know, because mm-hmm. you can interact with them and ask questions and try to provide value, really, to try to inspire them to live a happier life, you know. So it's not just the sh- it's not just the shop or the selling the books. It's it's it everything comes back to your original goal, which yeah, is to well, get I, people. I, I it gives it gives it gives a real sense of meaning. It yeah. kind of gives a sense of purpose, and it's ultimately, I think, like I was at a funeral. A good friend, Dennis Holly's mom died at 103 and I was at the funeral today and like it really reminds you it's like not what you create, but how how you can share life. And ultimately, I think community is a great means with which we can all help each other to become better versions of ourselves. And I think it's true community and us trying to, I guess, ourselves to live as happy, a healthy life as we can. And through doing that, hopefully we inspire others. Okay, we're getting towards the part of the interview where I get to pick your brains a bit more. Um, One of the goals, or the goal when we started the podcast, was that by people listening in, they could do something that would improve their health instantly once they turned the episode off. That was the goal. So every guest that we have in, every episode that we deliver from the get-go, or we're now 60-something episodes in, was that. We get to bring these people in who I vaguely meet at events and stuff that I do. So, oh, we can, we, we can chat on the podcast. I, I can pick your brains so that the listeners can lead a healthier life. So I'm going to ask you for some really simple tips. Mm. Cool. Um, maybe top five tips each for health. I'm going to start with one. Call a friend. Okay. Call a friend and someone that you've been meaning to call that you don't make time and actually call them or call around to them and actually connect with another human. Because I think nowadays we follow one another on our phones and we think we know what they're doing. But to actually go, how are you, Peter, Mary, Paul? I just wanted to see how you're doing. Like, you know, I, I think basic human connections, because I think ultimately, ultimately at the root, I think of all diseases nowadays is loneliness, isolation and depression. And I think really we live in a super connected society across the Internet and whatnot. But I think underneath it all, like we're all simple little humans that want to feel connected. We want to feel close to people. We want to feel belonging. And I think that's one of the most basic, simple needs of is feeling Especially connected. Especially as we age, that loneliness is a huge issue in terms of health. Well, I think they say the most lonely period in, in amongst genders of people's lives is men, between the age of 30 and 40 which you wouldn't think but it's like when people are busy with their careers or busy having kids or whatever and men might find it more difficult to connect with other men or whatever so I think it's like and you wouldn't think that you'd think oh it must be older single such and such but it's like across all ages of life yeah even if you look at the blue zones which are the the six areas in the world where there's the most amount of centenarians is in people who live over the age of 100 uh, and it was Dan Butner and a bunch of scientists tried to find out what were the main lifestyle factors that predicated a long kind of life of meaning or life of, pur- of purpose. And they found out there was nine lifestyle factors. And if they boiled them down and concentrated them out, there was one. And the most important one, you might think it's diet, you might think it's whatever, it was actually community. It's about, they say in the West, typically we've one to one and a half close friends where we can say, listen, Carl, I feel crap today. And you could empathise with me. But they say in these blue zones, they have five to six close friends. So I think the more we can connect to like-minded people, the more it's going to help us live a longer, happier life. Okay, so tip number okay, one so is Okay, so tip is, number is one, I think, is call a friend. Yeah. I would say tip number, tip number two is eat more plants. Like, eat more fruit and veg. And that means if you eat meat 14 times a week or 14 times a day, try eating it 12 times a day. Like, it's not, there ain't no perfect. It's just starting where you're at. Start eating. And even if we can talk from our own experience, we started our online, ha- or our classroom Happy Heart course back back about eight years ago. And we didn't know if it was going to work. We started it because we'd read the research papers from Dean Ornish and Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, who were the first people to show that they could reverse the symptoms of cardiovascular disease through eating, people eating a whole food plant-based diet. And this was over a year. And we thought, geez, I wonder will this work with Irish people? Uh, so we put a 
signs around the shop. We got 20 people coming along. Dave called down to the local GP, Brendan Cuddy. How are you, Brent? Just, just wondering, we want to reverse heart disease. Do you have a nurse? <laughs> and he said, Angela's in there. So we got Angela to come along. We said we'd pay Angela 50 quid. So she, we, 20 people came along. They measured um, everyone's cholesterol, their weight, their blood pressure. They came up to us and we were the chefs. So we were teaching people trying to make fruit and veg taste good. So they were eating dals, chilies, vegetable soup. They were eating roasted red pepper tomato. They were eating dried fruit. They were eating lentils, all sorts of hippie food. Uh, and for many people, like... They were traditional meat and two veg diet. This was a huge undertaking, but we kind of held our hand. It was kind of like instead of AA, it was like veg AA or mm-hmm. veg, vegetable anonymous. Uh, and you know, it came to the last night. It was a four week journey, and I remember on the last night, we, we kind of didn't know if it was going to work. Like, well, like what's going to happen here? Uh, and I remember there was an average drop of cholesterol of 20%. People lost weight, blood pressure came down. There was even two blind people, and unbelievable, they were able to see again. Okay the, blind, okay, the blind bit was a joke. But I guess subsequently probably... Did you put that with real substance? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 I saw you look at me there. But I guess subsequently we built an online course and we probably had about 20,000 people from oh, over 72 different countries in the world. And it's a great reminder, even there a few weeks ago, we did a little um, meetup. And I remember going in and there was like a taxi driver from inner city Dublin. And he was saying... I'm a vegan. And I was like, you're a what? And he said, yeah, not, I wasn't into this stuff at all. But at high cholesterol, I was taking these statins every day. I didn't want to take pills the rest of my life. So uh, my daughter told me to do this course. And I said, I'm not doing this fucking course. But because his daughter, excuse me, I'm allowed to say fuck, am I? Say whatever you want. Okay, great. Uh, so, so he ended up doing it. And he did it for one week. And he said, I lost weight. I actually felt all right. So then he did it for the next week, next week. And by the end, his cholesterol came down. It came off his pills. He said, geez, sure, what can I say? I eat a vegan diet now. So it's amazing just to see how it's, I guess it's affecting. Uh, and he said, and I'm not starting doing yoga, right? There's no effect on why I'm doing your yoga. <laughs> it was funny. It was good. Work. So, so point number two, I think, yep. is eat more fruit and veg. Great. Uh, point number three, and this one relates to you, is many people think, you know, if you think about three o'clock when you're tired and you're feeling a bit crap, what do most people turn to? Most people turn to coffee, chocolate. Yep alcohol, cocaine, whatever it is, their stimulant of choice. But ultimately, our primary fuel source isn't food. It's actually oxygen. And we get that And true. what Stephen means by fuel source, it means like people will often say to us, where do you get your energy from? Where do you get, can I get a bottle of your energy? You know, <laughs> and it's really we're mammals that we need to move. And if you look, even when I break it down to like, you've got a young kid, only six months now. But um, like young kids will typically, you know, once they're moving and able to walk, they'll typically smile about 200 times a day. Whereas an adult, we've had years' experience of true school. We're experts at sitting. We're, we're really good at being comfortable. How many times a day do you think an adult smiles? Oh, 25. Yeah, somewhere between 15 and 40 times. Whoa. So, And, and that's the, the main correlation there is that kids just move so much. Like dinner in my house lasts about five minutes because my kids can't sit still. And I think the, po- the, the third point is really it's about movement. We're mammals okay. and we forget about that. Yeah. We live in a society that's super comfortable and, you yeah. know. So Stan, you know. Um, that's something we've, we've uh, that's, a, that's a commandment we've been pushing out for the last 60 yeah. episodes or so. Yeah, Stan si- more, get moving this your day, get off the bus once up earlier, use the stairs and said that if just yeah, movement. A, little, a simple little hack, if you're yeah. listening to this at your desk and you're kind of feeling, oh, it's easy for you, lads, swimming in the sea and handstands, drink loads of water and means unless you're wearing a nappy you have to get up and go to the toilet so you have to move uh, and to try to get 10,000 steps a day I think that's yeah. a basic metric that I think once you as Peter yeah as Peter Drucker yeah. says you know the, the famous business consultant he always said what's get measured gets managed and I see myself when I'm looking at how many steps a day I'm 
I'm I, I'm competitive, so I'll always try to get much yeah, more than ten thousand. You know. Okay, so that's three yeah. tips. Give me two yeah. more. Uh, two more. I think sleep is something that we all for. Good. Sleep is a basic thing and one of the core fundamental things. And I know you being a young, like having a young kid, <laughs> sleep is. You yeah. realize how important it is. And and I think even tr- three quick points on sleep. One, uh, they found someone who gets five, six hours sleep or less typically will consume two or three hundred calories or more than you would on a normal day. And of those calories, they're the bad ones. Mm-hmm. So sleep is really important for maintaining a healthy weight, if that's what you're interested. Any man who's listening, if you get six hours sleep or less, typically you'll have the testosterone level of someone 10 years senior than you. Testosterone is really important for, yes, being a man. And it's also really important for muscle mass. Uh, and last, and no, I was just going to say in terms of sleep, I think it's a great indicator for stress and anxiety because yep. if you do, like we live in a very stressful modern day age, and I think if you can still manage to have a good sleep, there's probably a correlation that you're not as stressed as some people are or you're not quite as anxious. So I think it's it's a good indicator for how le- how stressed you are not. So I think prioritizing your sleep and coming up with a sleep, a basic kind of uh, routine for your sleep is so fundamentally important. And I see myself, I sleep best when I'm relaxed. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do. If I'm stressed and wind up, I mightn't sleep as much. So it's, I think it's... Much. As much, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. right. There we go. Okay, so point number four, last one. What's the last one? Last, last one. one. Uh, and I think this is something people often, when you say this to an audience, people always go, oh, you're so pessimistic. But uh, I think it's a reminder of our own mortality that we are going to die and that we don't know when we're going to to die. And ultimately, like... The more you can live, enjoy your life, do the things you love. If you were told you had a week to live, you're probably not going to be saving for that Ferrari. You're probably going to call up your mom, how are you, ma? It's been too long or whatever. So I think it's the more that we can try to remember our own mortality and remember that, you know, life is something to be celebrated, to be enjoyed. And, that- and, and I think I'll bring that back to like, we all know, I know we've certainly known lots of people in our lives that have lived to 92. They didn't eat a vegetable in their life. They drank a bottle of whiskey. They smoked 20 cigarettes, mm-hmm. but they laughed. They laughed so much. They cycled around on their bike. They had a grand old time. So I think health, there's so many different avenues to health. And I think being relaxed and easy and as they say, living la bella vida or whatever the term is, there's there's different terms in all the different cultures of the world. It's, you know, I think it's more of that. Not taking life so seriously. There's no proof that it's serious. We're all going to die anyway, as Steve said. And it's to try to enjoy it and just, you know, those things. Five simple, effective points that will dramatically change people's lives no question about it if people want to find out more about you guys uh, A they probably know you but B if they don't if you have some new new people who want to follow you or, or buy your stuff where can they find you and where can they find out about you uh, I guess social media is the first place you'll probably find us and the happy pair daddy we've got four online courses which we're super proud of our latest one is a vegan cooking course so we're teaching people how to cook we've put 14 years experience into that uh, we've got a happy gut course, which we've done with a gastroenterologist. So it, that's a diet, di- uh, digestion doctor and a dietitian. It's a six weeks course to help build up your immune system, your gut, your digestive health. It's a really good one. We've had thousands of people from all over the world. Um, and social media? Uh, social media, the happy, you, you know, if you're on social media, find us. We're not that hard and to find. And of course, your, your, uh, your cafe and store are in Greystones. And we have products. We've about 32 products in nearly a thousand stores. So super value and trade. Other independent Thank stores. God you have loads of energy. You'd be in trouble if you didn't with yeah, the quantity yeah. of stuff that you're doing. Yeah, um, David and Stephen Flynn, I have to say, and I mean this very, very genuinely, coming in today, I didn't know what to expect. I've seen you guys present. I've worked with you a couple of times. Anytime we've done that, you're doing yoga or you're doing handstands on desks or it's hyper. And I've been really uh, delighted to get to know you guys behind that a little bit more. 
and to get to, to see just how deep that the love and passion behind health is with you guys and I think our listeners will really really appreciate that thank you so much for coming in folks as ever uh, you've been listening to the Real Health Podcast in association with Laya Healthcare if you have any questions for us you know where we are it's realhealth at independent.ie or at Carl Henry PT on Instagram and on Twitter have a wonderful week try some of those five really simple tips and as ever we'll see you next week so long to fall. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.